joy to the world. Silent Night The First Noel For centuries, the hymns of Christmas have carried deep and abiding meaning into the spirit of the season. We remember that holy night in Bethlehem, the herald of the angels, the bright star, the wise men, the lowly manger, the promise of God's redemption fulfilled through the birth of His Son. Savior and King. In this series, we will dive into the scriptural stories behind some of the most iconic Christmas hymns of today. at a hymn, a little, uh, little, little hymn that I had never heard before a couple weeks ago. It's called Go Tell It on the Mountain. So we're going to look at that hymn today. We're going to break it down a little bit. I actually pulled out a couple questions just looking at the title. So we're going to examine that a little bit. But first, uh, if you have your Bible app or your Bible, if you turn to Matthew 28, and then stand with me as we read from the Word of God. I'm going to go through the whole thing, so hope your legs are well rested. All right. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, somebody say behold. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from the heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell. Somebody say, tell. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There, there you will see him. So I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran, ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came and they came up, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell. Somebody say, go and tell. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes up to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity today to minister to your people and to preach your word, Lord. I ask that all hearts here are open to receive your word, Lord. I ask that we're all just empty vessels filled with your Holy Spirit. May your will be done here today in this building, Lord. And above all, may we please see Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. We can be seated. All right, everybody. So if you're new to Water Church, and I know we do have some new people since we had baptisms, but uh, if you're new to Waters Church, we have a little something here called our bulletins. Inside the bulletins are our notes. These notes are printed on cardstock. We'd like you to follow along with us and fill in the blanks. Why are they on cardstock? Well, so it's easy to take notes, but also so you can go home and put it in your journal, and then a year from now, you can, oh, what did Chris tell me to do? Go tell it on the mountain and pull it out and read it. It was a joke. You're allowed to laugh in church. But if you do open these bulletins, we usually have a what's going on here at Waters Church. And what we're really excited about is what's going on here next week, right? Next week is Christmas. Christmas services, regular service times, Saturday, 4 o'clock, Sunday, 9.30 and 11.30. Go, tell your friends, invite them. It's kind of what the message is all about. We'll get more about that. But also, can I give a shout out for the baptisms? Right, Kim? Kim? Where's my other one? Oh, he's not here? Rick? Well, those are amazing testimonies, right? That's what we're doing. I don't even think I have to preach after that. Go tell it on the mountain. They did that. They told somebody. This is why we have baptism classes, why we do baptisms. It's why I love Waters Church. Every week at Waters Church, we see people getting saved, coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And then they take that next step, which is to get baptized. So many people are waiting for that feeling to feel right, to get closer to God, to maybe stop sin sinning before they get baptized. None of that matters. Baptism is an act of obedience that you do after accepting Christ. So if you're one of the hundreds of people that have come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I compel you, sign up and show up to the next baptism class and let your sto story be heard. Now, just to make it a little bit more convenient for you, and I did get a yoo-hoo in the, the last service because of this, uh, our, our baptism class has been traditionally on Saturdays at 10 a.m. We thought that was the easiest way, you know, to allow people to, uh, to come here outside of our services. But talking to a lot of you, uh, we think that we're gonna, we are going to move it starting this December 31st. Our baptism class is going to be during our 1130 service right upstairs. So really, you have no excuse. Come here at 9.30 and then go right upstairs and take our baptism class. There you'll learn. You'll get any of your questions answered about what baptism is. And uh, any of your fears about the video will be addressed and answered. And again, you don't have to shoot the video. But if you see how powerful those testimonies are, you really should. I'm not telling you to do it. But it's just a way to partner with the church and God and see... Uh, what's going on here at Waters Church? All right, so open up your bulletins, take out your notes, follow along. We're going to look at Go Tell It on the Mountain. 
And you might be wondering why I read from Matthew 28, which is actually the resurrection of Jesus, right? When throughout, well, let's go over the first, go, go tell what? That's the first question. Go tell what? It says in the, uh, in the song and in, in the Bible that Jesus Christ was born. So that's your first fill in the blank. Jesus Christ was born. So go tell what? That Jesus Christ was born. And that's awesome. Um, you're going to be hearing that story. Well, maybe not you personally. Hopefully you'll, you'll be here. But in thousands of churches across the world, they're going to be talking about the miracle birth of Jesus Christ, which is an incredible thing. Um, you heard Tim talk about it just a few weeks ago. You heard Noah talk about little, little baby Jesus, right? Little Ricky Bobby baby Jesus. And that, that's great, but that's the starting point of the story of Jesus. And when I came to the knowledge of Christ, it's not the Jesus that, that I knew. See, for me, I grew up in a house with, with a doctor and a nurse. So I had to reconcile a lot of things logically. I received it here before I received it here. I, I grew up studying and almost worshiping knowledge, looking for what I considered the truth. I'd read philosophy. I actually studied Hinduism, Buddhism, all the other isms, just looking for what I thought was the truth. I even read The Art of Happiness. I had to read it again because I wasn't happy when I was done. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. There's a lot of beautiful sayings out there. But what is truth? What is truth? I was seeking that personally. And I know a lot of you were also when God called you. Um, it actually took me one day. For some reason, I just fell on my knees. And I asked God as I knew him to reveal himself to me. I asked him to answer that question. What is truth, God? I'm studying all these religions. They all contradict each other. They all can't be valid because this says this and that says that. So what is real? What is true? Well, the next day, he sent me a man into my office that asked me a piercing question. He said, you read all these stories. You read all these other religions. But have you read the Bible? It's like, oh. No, I haven't. I went to Catholic high school, and I studied a lot of the stories. I knew a lot of the stories, but I never actually sat down and read the Bible. So I said, well, go out and get one and open up the book of John, start there, see what you think. So that day I ran out to the Christian bookstore down here in North Attleboro, bought myself a nice, beautiful-looking King James Bible. Oh, I was, I was bold. I'd been reading Shakespeare, so I'm like, I can get through this. Started reading John. And I got to a passage that you all know. You'll probably see it today at 4 o'clock being held up in the game. But Jesus saying, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. When I read that, I knew it was an answer to my question. It hit me right here. It pierced my mind. But I wasn't ready to accept it here yet, the logical part of it. I wasn't really ready to understand but the miracle birth of Jesus is the start of a wonderful story. You see, throughout his life, he taught, right? He taught people wonderful things. But he also performed tons of miracles. He turned water into wine. He walked on water, right? He met people that were paralyzed and they could move. He met people that couldn't walk and they could walk. He met people that were blind and they could see. People that had diseases that nobody could Cured. When they met Jesus, they were cured. He's called the great physician for a reason. See, that's what started to open up my mind. And then I came across this quote. Now, you've all probably heard, if you've been a Christian in any amount of time, the C.S. Lewis quote about liar, lunatic, or Lord. 
But I want to read it for you because this is what started to hit me up here. C.S. Lewis, who is a great Christian philosopher, for, philosopher, poet, writer. He writes, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying anything foolish. This thing that people often say about him, talking about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. But I don't accept his claim to be God. That's one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be considered a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon of hell, or you can fall on his feet, on your feet, at his feet. You can fall on your knees at his feet. Did I get that? And call him Lord and Savior. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So that's when I started to think logically, when it started to open up in my mind that Jesus couldn't say the things he said because he did say that he was God. He really did. That's why they killed him. He performed miracles, so either people lied about that, tons of people, or it was true. See, following Jesus, following Jesus is different than all other religions. And I'll say there's two religions in this whole world. It comes down to Cain and Abel. You either try to give God your good works and say, here, God, look at this, look what I did, or you realize you can't get there on your own, that there's something that's holding you back from God, and you fall on your feet, and you say, I need help. That's Christianity. That's following Christ. So following Jesus, being different than all other religions, point A, if you're taking notes, Jesus was born a miraculous birth, right? We talked about some of the miracles that Jesus did, performed tons of miracles his whole life. Um, but when God, well, I'll get there in a second, yeah. So the second one, Jesus died to break the curse, right? You've heard that there's sin that separates us from God. You've heard it called a curse. You've heard it called a wall that separates you. When God really started to, when I started to realize what God's truth was, he explained it to me like this. There's a disease in this world, in all creation, is a disease. There's something wrong in this world. All you have to do is turn on the news, right? The fires that's going on, the earthquakes that happen, the shootings, the car bombs. There's something going on in this world, and it's not right. Just look at yourselves. I look at myself. There's something that's wrong inside here. So there's something wrong in the world. You can say it's sin. You can say it's a curse. You can say it's a wall between you and God. I looked at it as a disease, literally a disease that's affected all of creation. And there's only one person who has the cure. There's only one person that came with that cure. And you don't need Obamacare to get it, by the way. It's free for everybody. <laughs> it is. Jesus came with a vaccine for all who will receive it. It's so easy. It's so simple. The simplicity of the gospel is beautiful. You just need to believe it and receive it. It's that easy. We're going to be receiving tons of gifts over the next week, right? Giving and receiving. Tons of gifts. This one's eternal. Eternal lasting. So the, most, uh, the one thing that I'm most excited about 
is part C. Yes, Jesus performed miracles. Awesome. Yes, Jesus died for us so that that wall may be broken down, that we may know God, that disease may be cured. But he was also resurrected. Matthew 28. Now, like I said, you're not going to hear this a lot next week, but I'm most excited about Jesus being resurrected because it gives us hope, love, and faith, and it shows us what we have, what we have as Christians to look forward to. And if you don't call yourself a Christian, it gives you something to aspire to, something that you should hope for. So, again, God started, God hit me here in the heart, but he was still working on my mind. I had to reconcile this whole, this whole resurrection thing, right? Because nobody in history has ever claimed to be resurrected from the dead. Nobody's ever claimed that they knew somebody that was literally raised from the dead after being buried for three days. You all see A Case for Christ or read the book or see the documentary. You know the story. All right, spoiler alert real quick then. It's a book by a Chicago Tribute um, journalist, and it's a documentary on Netflix, and now it's a motion picture that's on Netflix. I recommend it for anybody. So the story goes that there was a woman and, and her husband, married couple, kind of works that way, and uh, she came to accept Christ. She became a Christian because her daughter got sick, and she met somebody, and that somebody invited her to church. And in the church, she got saved. She accepted Jesus. But then the writer, the journalist, was a self-professing atheist. And he wanted to disprove Jesus Christ. And he looked at the best way to do that was to disprove the resurrection. Because he said if he could disprove the resurrection, the rest is a house of cards and it will all come falling down. Now, the problem is that throughout the movie, whenever he proposed, posed a question, he went to a specialist, that question was answered, and he was faced with these facts, these overwhelming facts that told him that Christianity is real, that this 2,000-year-old religion has more historical basis than almost anything else that we believe today. So at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he comes to know and accept God. Not because of something necessarily that happened here, but at first to him happened here. He told his wife he was faced with undeniable evidence that Christ was raised from the death. Because the, not just because this book says so, but all the outside information that proves that this book is true, is real. So that helped me reconcile here and here together. And... If you have any friends or family that, you know, need to do that, I'd, I'd recommend that's a good way to go. Watch the movie. Go home today at 4 o'clock. So why do we tell others? Why do we tell other, others about it? Uh, we know what we tell. We tell that Jesus Christ came, was raised. He's got the cure for all of us. But why do we tell others? Well, we tell others because you want to be unashamed. You want to be unashamed of what Jesus has done for you. as you fill in the blank, unashamed. Paul writes in Romans, he writes it like this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. You want to share what God has done in your life. 
Declare how, Luke writes, declare how much God has done for you. That's why I, I love Waters Church, because we're filled with uh, tons of new believers, right? We have people coming to know Jesus Christ every single week. We see life change. We see miracles. But when you're new in Christ, you're usually what we call on fire, and you go out and you start telling everybody. And sometimes your friends and your family think they're a little weird and freaky, and maybe they'll come just to make sure this is in a That's why my family first came. They want to make sure I wasn't in a cult, you know. <laughs> But they came because I invited them, which was really cool. Um, but that's the thing. When we're on fire, we want to tell everybody. And, and sometimes, sometimes when we've been Christians for a long period of time, and we've gone through a lot of storms, and we've gone through some tough seasons, it's hard to remember or see all the good things that God has done for us and through us. But I'm here to remind you of all the good things. I'm here to remind you you have eternal hope in the resurrection of Christ. This life is this big. Eternity is this big. This big. Eternity. It's what you have to look forward to no matter how hard life is today. And I know in this season how hard things can be. I do. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I got to go get my prop. <laughs> I didn't wrap it. That's why it's so pretty. I just want to say this season we're all going to be getting lots of gifts, right? We're going to be giving and receiving lots of gifts. We're going to be wrapping and unwrapping lots of gifts. But one of my favorite gifts that I've gotten over the last few years is this L.L. Bean pair of slippers. I, I got them three years ago. They're all tattered and worn, but they're so comfortable. I just go home and put them on. I don't know who gave them to me. I don't remember. Honestly, do you remember all the things that you've received? Who gave you what? Maybe you're going to get a new iPhone 10 this year. That's awesome. I just heard iPhone 12's coming out in six weeks. <laughs> this doesn't get stale. This doesn't grow old. This is eternal hope. All you have to do is receive it, which is taking it, believing and receiving. Receive it and open it. That's all you have to do. And again, I know how hard it can be this time of year. I'm your director of, director of pastoral care. I think that's what Josh called me. So I know a lot of personal things that a lot of you are going through, that it's the first time that you're having Christmas without your son in the house, or it's the first time that your wife isn't going to be there because she's in the hospital. Um, quick little story that I just felt like I had to share in this message, but I really didn't want to, and I didn't know how I was going to tell you guys, so I just prayed and just, you know, we'll see what happens, but... Um, Three years ago at Waters Church, I want to say right here, but we were in the old building, and uh, it was Christmas Eve, and I got a phone call that uh, my mother was, uh, was going to the hospital, sturdy, right down the street. And to be honest, my mom was in and out of the hospital for like two or three years, and usually she'd go there for a week, and then she'd be out for like six months, she'd get better, and then she'd go back to the hospital. So I just thought it was another one of those times. And uh, I went to see her. She looked okay. And then the next day, which was Christmas, me and my two sisters went to go see her. And we had Christmas right there in the hospital room. She was sitting up, and she looked good. And I was able to talk to her. And, you know, so I had hope that uh, she was going to get better. And then the day after Christmas, I, I went back to see her again. And she was in the ICU at that point in a coma. And she had a, a breathing tube down her throat and a, a ventilator so that she could breathe. And all of a sudden, the day after, 
I was able to talk to my mother. I couldn't talk to her anymore. Now, I had hope, and I had faith, and I had seen miracles happen here at Waters Church, and I'd been praying, so I knew, I knew there was a chance that she was going to get better. And the doctor came and told me, no, she's not going to get better. All the things that you think we can do physically just aren't going to happen. And finally, he got frustrated with me because I was being a little defiant, like, no, she's going to get better. I've been praying. And so he left me, and he went over to talk to my mom, and, uh, and he asked her, do you you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm telling you? And the last words that I, I heard my mom say were, um, you're, you're saying that I'm dying. And uh, that's, that's when I, I accepted it. That's when it hit me. Don't mean I stopped praying, but that's when I accepted that maybe she wasn't going to make it. So for the next couple months, she was in and out of hospice and uh, back to hospital, the hospice, hospital, the hospice. And then uh, one day, we got a call that she was going to pass away. Uh, they just knew it was time. And we went to go see her again and, and slept in the room with her, me and, and my two sisters. And we woke up, and my sister called me over in the morning about 7 o'clock. You know, I was sleeping in the chair. She called me over to the bed. And if you read the pamphlets, if you've ever been with anyone who's passed, and there are signs, specific signs, so we knew that she was passing within these moments. So I went over and, and held her in my arms, and she passed away right in my arms. She literally gave up the spirit right there in my arms, which was kind of a cool thing. Now, this isn't a sad story, by the way, just in case you didn't know. There is a reason why I'm telling you this. And it isn't to garner your sympathy or just to tell you that I know what you're going through this holiday season, but I do. But the really cool thing is, for months before all this happened, for months before my mom passed, she was coming to Waters Church. She was sitting right there in the old building, and she had raised her hand. And we had conversations about who Jesus was and why him and why not just pray to God and what do I need to do. We had those conversations. And I know, I know in my heart that she's with Christ right now. I have hope, I have faith, and I have love, and I know that I'm going to see her again. Now, I tell you this because she only came, and I believe that God saved me in time that she was able to come and get saved. She came to this church, one, because I invited her, which is what we're telling you to do here tonight, right? Go, tell, invite people. She came because I invited her, but she loved coming because the music was really cool. And the pastor was really funny. I mean, yes, both those things are true. But she also heard the word of God preach, and it doesn't come back void. And she got saved, and no matter what, I know where she is. So there's stormy times. There's seasons for all of us. But when you have your security with God, with Christ in heaven, none of this really matters. All right, so let's pick it up a little bit. So looking at Corinthians, three things, Paul writes, three things will last forever. And this is beautiful, three things. We have faith, faith that Jesus came and died for us. Just having that faith, knowing that he came and died for you, accepting that free gift, accepting that vaccine, the cure for our disease of our heart, of our souls. We have hope in the resurrection through him. Hope never dies. We have hope 
that we're going to be with our loved ones that are in Christ again. We have hope that we'll be with the God who made us again. That the hardships of this world will be washed away. Every sorrow will be forgotten. That we'll be in new bodies one day in heaven. How cool is that? And we love because he loved us first while we're still sinners. He loved us first. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love God, but the second and just as important are to love others. If you have the eternal gift, if you have love, if you have hope, how can you not tell others? How can you not? How can you keep it to you? How can you have the cure for what ails everyone and everything and not tell others? I'm almost shaming you. How dare you not tell people? I'm so used to teaching. I feel like I want to ask questions now. No. So we have hope, we have faith, and we have love. So who do we tell? No. We started, what, what do we tell? What do we tell? We tell about Jesus Christ. Why do we tell? We tell because of everything that he's done for us. So who do we tell? Everyone. That should fill in the blank. Thank you, front row. Everyone. Again, Matthew 28 writes, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So we want you to tell everyone. And I know, family's hard. Family's hard to reach because they know the old you. They've seen the old you and they're judging the old you and they don't see all the good things that God is doing with you and through you and how he's changing you. Your friends can be similar, and your coworkers, but it's really easy just to invite people. That's why we do what we do here at Waters Church. It's why we're going to have a horse and buggy ride. Yes, is that what Josh called it, a horse and buggy ride or a sleigh ride? I don't know what it is, but I, it's really cool, and I'm excited about it. And I'm going to be here, and I'm going to ride it. We got the hot cocoa bar. Come on, somebody. How many kids want to come and get that hot cocoa bar? The snow, indoor snow with the log cabin and Santa is going to be there. How many people will come because you invite them and they're just going to get a free picture with Santa? I mean, that's cool enough. They're going to come because you invite them. I don't have the statistics, so I'll make one up. 99% of people will come on Christmas if you invite them. That's 99%. Go tell. But all the cool things. We also have a live nativity scene. That's a petting zoo, animals. How many people do you know with kids that will come just because they get to see the fake snow and the Santa? I mean, it's really what we do and why we do this is to make it comfortable so you can invite your non-believing friends and family. They're going to hear cool music. They're going to hear good preaching, better than tonight, by the way. But they're going to hear the word of God preached, and it doesn't come back void. Look, we can invite everybody but it's up to God to do it from there. We tell, he takes care of the rest. One quick more story and then we'll wrap it up. So I get these funny phone calls sometimes. I was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that was loud. I was in my office, uh, this is like late August, early September, so it's still hot out. And I get a phone call from this lady who identified herself, well, I'm not going to use her real name in case she's here or comes back, but she identified herself, we'll call her Barbara, Barbara the Atheist. I didn't give her that last name. That, that's the name that she told me. She said, hi, my name's Barbara, and I'm an atheist. Hi, this is Waters Church. How can I help you? She said, well, there's this homeless man that's outside of my office. 
I said, oh, okay, do you need 911? This is the church. Um, you know, we go to Providence Rescue Mission here, so we're always serving the homeless, you know, trying to feed and nourish the homeless, and that's, you know, something that my heart has always been towards. So I'm like, all right, cool, that's, you know, you called the right person, what can I do? And, and she's like, well, I don't know what to do for him, um, but he needs something. You know, none of my coworkers care. My husband thinks that I'm crazy, but I, my heart's breaking because there's, and this is North Attleboro, so the people don't see a lot of homeless people. So she was like freaking out, you know. But she's like, well, what can, you, what can you do? What can we do? So I asked her to describe him to me. He's a tall, scraggly man with a long beard, and he calls himself Jesus. Said, you mean Jesus, right? His name's Jesus. She said, no, no, no. He calls himself Jesus. So there's an atheist calling me, asking me to go speak to Jesus. All right, so she told me where he hangs out, and for a couple weeks, I made a couple drive by. It was 106 and 152, and I looked for him, and I couldn't find him for a while. So finally, one Saturday, I'm getting off the exit, coming to church, and something told me to take the long way around. So I went around 152, 106, and I saw him. So I'm walking down the street. He had his backpack with him, his winter coat, even though it was still, uh, you know, August. And um, I went up to him. I pulled over, and I said, excuse me, sir, can I talk to you for a second? Now, I was up front with him. I told him that Barbara the atheist told me to, you know, <laughs> check him out, see if there's anything I could do. I told him I was from Waters Church. So I was like, well, do you need anything? He's like, no, I've got everything I need. Like, okay, uh, maybe you're hungry. Can I get you some food? Can I get, get you something to eat? He pulls out a burger out of his pocket and says, why, are you hungry? I was like, okay, I get it. How about some clothes? You know, I, I know you got all the clothes you need, but it's going to be winter soon. I don't know what you're doing. Can I go buy you some socks or a, a winter jacket or something? He's like, I've got everything I need on my back. Okay, how, how about some money? Maybe I can give you a couple bucks, help you, uh, help you find a place to stay, you know, give you some type of, you know, comfort. And he's like, I can go over to Cumberland Farms, sit down for a couple hours, and people will give me what I need to get through the day. So I was like, all right, this guy seems like he's got it all figured out, you know. What am I supposed to do? So finally, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I really like to go back to Barbara the Atheist with this wonderful story about the church being the church and how he helped this guy and this is why you should come into Waters Church. But how many people know when God sends you, it's not often what you want to happen that happens. You just see what happens. You just make yourself available to what is going to happen and you'll see wonderful things happen. So... Finally, I asked the guy, is there nothing I can do for you, Jesus? And, he, <laughs> and it was a hot day, and he literally said to me, um, I just need some shade and some scripture. I'm like, oh, well, that sounds pretty cool. So you have a Bible? I said, no, I don't have a Bible. I said, oh, well, that's something I can do. I said, where are you going to be in 20 minutes? And he's like pointing around. I said, okay, don't go too far. Ran back to that Christian bookstore, uh, bought my King James Bible, got him a Bible, went back. He was still there, gave him the Bible. He gave me a big hug, and, and that was great. And then I actually drove around the block a couple times just so I could see what he was doing. And he was sitting down on a rock under some shade reading his scripture. Shade and scripture, that's all he needed. So that's awesome, right? But that's not the end of the story. So I went back to my office, and I called up Barbara the Atheist, and I said, Barbara, I met Jesus today. 
and he's reading the Bible. No, and so I told her the whole story, what happened, and she's like, that's really cool. And then she started to open up to me, and she said, you know, I used to go to church. I grew up in the South in a very small church, and I got hurt there. And they shunned me and pushed me away. And then I married a man who's an atheist, and, and now we're atheists. And, you know, and so we talked a little bit more. Of course, I invited her to, to Waters Church and said how cool we are and all that fun stuff. But what really got me is at the end of the story, she, um, she says, you know, don't give up on me. Like, don't give up? Okay. So for the next couple months, every few weeks, I gave Barbara a call just checking up on her, seeing how she was doing. But I never went into her store and looked for her and went to meet her or took that extra step until yesterday when we got these cool invites. Hashtag take your invites today. We have business cards and these full cards, and I figure I'm going to go there and, and I'm going to ask her to come with her family to Waters Church, and, and this is going to be a great story for the, for the message that I'm giving and wrap it all up. So I go there, and she's not there. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but two of her coworkers were there, and they were excited to see this and hear about Waters Church, and they both said that they're going to come. So I don't know why I even told that story. No, I don't know what's going to happen to from that, I just know that somebody, God told me, the Holy Spirit told me to go, and I went, and there's going to be fruit because of that. You can't argue anybody into heaven. You can't shove Jesus down to anybody's throat. But you can invite them to hear the word of God. That's our job. Jesus says, go. Go and tell. So we're telling. Bring them here. So last fill in the blank is what is your mountain? Let the church be your mountain. Stand on the church that's going to proclaim the word of God for you. All you have to do is invite people here. We have a cool kids program, right? There's video games in there. There's a lot of fun in there. But they're also going to learn about Jesus on their level. We have wonderful ministries here. We have small groups here. If you've been coming to Water Church for any amount of time and you're not in a small group, I compel you, get in a small group. Get baptized. Join Grow Track. See what Water Church is all about. I didn't feel at home here until I started volunteering here. That's when people started to know me and I started to know them and I started to feel more accepted. But those are the steps that we take to grow in faith. You know, I think I said it a few weeks ago, but coming to Christ is like the first chapter of a great book. Do you turn, do you, do you put down that book after the first chapter or do you keep reading? It's a great story that we're all on and it's your story and you're the main character. It's you and Jesus. Don't you want to see what he's got for you?